Welcome to the Think and Learn Smarter experience. Here I will sit down with people from all walks of life and talk with them about experiences that have shaped them. Everyone learns from their own experiences, but the best learn from the experiences of others. Now, let's get into it. So I'm here with Jeremy Murta, primary school teacher up in Our Ladies of Victories in Dublin and current Roscommon footballer. Jeremy, thanks a million for agreeing to come on here. I hope everything is going all right for you, all things considered these days. No problem at all, Connell. You know yourself, working very hard from home. Um, actually enjoying it from home as well, you know, there can be a lot of benefits from working from home as well. And not just for me, but for kids in school as well, you know, spending time with their families. Uh, having less distractions in school classroom so you know there can be benefits from it but ultimately you want to get back to school as quick as we can yeah yeah is there any things that you didn't think you like would work in an online setting is there any like strategies that you use in the class um say that would work or wouldn't work that would work yeah that you probably hadn't used before um not really, not really. I find it is a lot of things are similar. So say now at home, we actually, my school haven't started live uh, sessions yet. So um, we're hoping to get to that point. Uh, but I use my iPad to say screen record. So okay. I can be, I can be, my voice can be over and can be speaking over what I'm doing or from writing down examples, explaining new topics. So I find that very beneficial. And um, especially with the use of an iPad, I know everyone doesn't have an iPad. So it can be a bit of a hindrance for them, but I found that, that very useful and it uh, in some way is pretty much the same thing as what you might be doing in class, only that you're not physically present. Okay, right. And do you, do you find you miss like the class contact or like what way, like do you find it hard to keep yourself motivated during the week uh, just by going online or how do you find it? Uh, well, I try to have a, have a structure in my week and a structure in my days about what I'm doing uh, with my teaching. So say from the work the night before, and from the day before I would correct that first thing in the morning when I get up because naturally some um, some kids might send in work late and be even depending on um, when to get it done and things like that so I kind of start off with that then preparing work for the next day uh, and then I might start into correcting the work from that day if any of them uh, get the work up and um, but no it's um, like it, it is the the presence of being there with a the full class and the socializing part and that the kids would miss the uh, the most, I'd say. And even for myself, you know, even like a journey in and out to school and seeing new people and seeing staff members, uh, that can kind of uh, take its toll when, you, when you're so used to it. Um, and then your social network is so limited then, it's kind of hard uh, to uh, adapt to that. But you look, you, you just have to get on with it. It's the same for everyone, like, you know. Yeah, and I'm guessing you're taking the football team in the primary school, are you? Uh, I'm actually, I actually help out with the girls team because we've, uh, I'm in a senior boys school and there's a senior girls school in the same campus. So I actually help out with the, with the girls school. Uh, their principal asked me uh, because it's the same campus and um, there's actually any, any chance I would get, I would help um, the boys, but um, there's staff members there that have been there before me say that are taking over the, um, um, the boys team. So, um, but I'm happy to help whenever asked of hunt. Fair enough, yeah, exactly. And uh, so I'm guessing this is one of the first times you've been coaching, but would you say there's many parallels between like coaching, we'll say in like the coaching, the classroom and coaching on the actual pitch? Um, it is very similar, I suppose. Uh, when you're in the classroom, you like to be very organized. So 
so if I was ever coaching a team now I'd have to have everything set and set and set and by the time as well and um, because obviously you're working off timetable in the classroom so uh, that'd be one thing I definitely noticed and um, then everything else then kind of just you know it comes back to what you know yourself and like who you've been training with and learning from coaches you've had so I'd find you'd be uh, using a lot of that say in your own coaching as well and I tried to bring drills that I've learned from other um, top managers to my own coaching as well and it's definitely an area I'd like to get into in the future as well and you know I think I'd find it hard to stay away from the game if uh, god forbid anything happens to me and I have to retire early or anything like that but hopefully in the latter years I'll get more into coaching. Yeah definitely it should be a loss if you didn't but uh, I was going to ask you so what would be like kind of the strategies or drills that you found very useful because I'd, I'd, I'd be pretty interested to know. In the coaching side of things? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, well, it depends what age uh, you're coaching. You know, I've been asked to coach uh, many different teams, like even senior teams, uh, under 12 teams, uh, minor teams. It nearly depends on what level they're at or what's, for me, if I'm coming in as an external coach for a day, uh, what stage of a competition they're at, what I would do with them. You know, like younger kids, I'd be big into... Um, uh, focusing on their skills I think that is important like if 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 I was ever managing a team the first thing I do is try and have a ball for every child that was on on the team I think that's important because you know even know yourself when you're training you could go you could go two or three training sessions there and then kick the ball or hand, or kick the ball five times you know so that's mm-hmm. why it's important as boys you're getting in your own skill session as well away from your training teams but I would think skills is very important and uh, it's something that's it can be overlooked. I always see a lot of managers kind of focus on th- getting that extra one percent and forget about the other ninety nine percent where big gains can be made from. You know, absolutely, yeah. No, just nailing down the basics is essentially how you do it. But uh, you kind of touched on there by yourself doing skill sessions. So would you have many skill sessions now? Because you're a bit the Riscon footballers, but you wouldn't be able to meet up in groups. So would you be busy these days, or how's it working for yourselves? Yeah, well, like I'd have a ball around the house there and you'd always try to be um, tipping away with a ball whenever you can. Uh, it is quite tricky. It's easier to say to go out and do your training within a 5K because you can always t- change your runs up. And, you know, you can go to a local park that's within your within your um, uh, distance and things like that. So it's kind of easier to get the running done. The skills, like you don't really want to be going to a pitch um, with the way things are, but like you can use the wall, you can use your housemate you know you can use things like that people like that to help you with your skills like you know and you don't really need much and um, much there to help with your skills you know all you need is a wall and, yeah, yeah. and your own body and you should be okay to get the skill session in you know mm-hmm. and how are you finding like keeping motivated or keeping on top of things because with the GA it's just been announced that it's not considered um, an elite sport so there isn't really an end or a starting date in sight so have you any like tips for how you're keeping yourself on track or what are you doing yourself? Uh, yeah, no, I would. Um, I'm trying to keep us focused and trying not to look too far ahead. You know, I'm kind of taking week by week and the teaching obviously from home is a good, good distraction. Uh, obviously, I prefer to be in school. It'd be a better distraction or say going to work and coming home from work. Like the days seem a small bit longer at home, but I'm just trying to get a structure into the day and try and stick to uh, a training program and and not uh, vary too far off that and just uh, keep getting the updates and hopefully before i know it if i take a week week by week and um, we'll be back on the field in no time and 
Um, I, I look forward to that because if we're back in the pitch, it's a sign. Schools would be open. It's a sign. A lot more of the country, mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully the restrictions will be eased a bit. So I'm looking forward to that, definitely. Yeah, for sure. It's a bit of a cry from when you're younger, I'd say, going off to pitches all over the place every single night. So it gets a bit of a break even. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It can refresh the batteries, but um, I like to think a, a week or two of Christmas does that for me now. Like, you'd be mad <laughs> to get back playing, playing league football now and the pitches are going to start hardening up in the next two weeks. So you'd be like to be uh, hitting top of the ground now and the pitches are hardening up. You'd like to be getting back as a collective training, you know, whether that's with the club or the county. So, uh, no, definitely looking forward to getting back now. And even, as I said, the social side of things of being in a group of people as well is, is important. Mm-hmm. And yeah. would, I'd be right in saying that you've played, like you've played a lot of different sports growing up. So being in that social group is something that you liked, I guess, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, mainly team sports, uh, but more so soccer and GA, but say on many different teams or many different grades and things like that. Um, did a bit of boxing as well for a while, which is an individual sport. And it's good to see the um, mentality side of that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I would have I would have played soccer and GA all the way up uh, through school, and then had to make a choice then towards sixteen or seventeen because football is getting a bit more serious at the time. So I'm happy with my decision to play GA now. <laughs> ah, stage, I was coming there for sure as well. You had you had a bit of a run there from say age of seventeen to twenty two or so. Um, how did you manage to balance? Because at that stage, for when you're sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, you still would have been in secondary school, so you would have had quite of a time consuming in that regard. Um, did you have any tricks for balancing? Because you'd have been going off training most nights, I'm guessing, and uh, playing matches, and even just mentally preparing for both. Did you have any uh, yeah. methodology for doing that? Yeah, well, I um, I was kind of only thrown straight in. Do you know the way some people have? Um, the school I was in at the time, Lanesworth Community College, didn't have um, TY at the time. So it was first, second, third year, you do your junior cert, and then you just had fourth and fifth year. So you're straight into the Leaving Star curriculum, basically, um, after your junior start. So it was tough, like you didn't have a time to wind down. And um, what I found very, very beneficial was having a structure in my day. So at the time I was playing um, my first year at County Minors, and I was quite young. I knew I was going to be young going to college. And so I used to find, I used to set out maybe different targets that I get done each week in each uh, subject. And um, it was just the way I was. I like to be organized. I was never sure if it was benefiting me. And um, when it came to it, the end of it, I nearly um, gassed myself out a bit with studying. You know, I was nearly, my head was fried. And like, you know, if I had a training day and I had an hour or two study before the training day, if I didn't get done what I planned to do, my head would be fried. And then I, I used to find sport as a good um, kind of my freedom from studying. But then when I had an off day, I had more time, which felt like I should be getting more done. Yeah, and I put myself even under more pressure again because I had so much time then, say on a Saturday when I had no training or anything. And then I didn't really know what to do. And then I was trying to squeeze too much into my study and say maybe I mightn't have been getting the benefit or studying the right things or really knowing what I was at. I was just flat out trying to study everything in the curriculum and like not like maybe giving too much time to the same uh, subjects or topics that uh, realistically like say something like say your Irish poetry and your Irish oral I probably spent more time on my Irish poetry that was probably worth about 20 marks knowing that no matter how hard I studied I'd probably make a few mistakes and still only get 12 marks whereas my oral I could have spent more time and maybe made sure to 40 percent 
So um, no, it was tricky. Tricky. Um, some of the strategies would have been just say having a plan, say on what I expect to get done, and whether that helped me or not. Uh, I had to repeat the leaving cert, so <laughs> but I stuck to the same strategy the next year and got where I wanted. So I was happy enough. Uh-huh. No, it's interesting that you brought up the Irish because, like as you're saying, kind of knowing what to study. Because as like the exact example you said, where Irish is worth twenty marks to the poetry, like it's actually it's worth sixteen point six seven and. There's five different poems that can come up. So even if you're fully effective with your time, only 20% of the time you spend on Irish is going to actually come up in the Leaving Cert. Whereas with the oral, 100% of the time you spend studying the oral is coming up and it's worth 40%. So even just like that, but say for yourself, like, because you'd have always been a free taker in football, like you would have spent your time practicing frees as opposed to practicing pen- like saving a penalty. You're all, you're, you're, both, you're all playing football at the same time, but clearly one's going to be more effective for yourself. Yeah. And I just wanted to get back to like that kind of age because... You had a bit of a run with Roscommon, like you had a very strong kind of two or three age groups kind of all came together. And it, it looks like you got as far as the semi-finals in that in the first year, right? Uh, in my first year with uh, the minors, we got to the quarterfinals, all Ireland quarterfinals. So you're playing uh, deep into August and uh, it's a very stressful time around leaving cert because, you know, like it's your dream. Like it's your kind of your first real year of representing your county at minor and it's uh it's kind of a dream come true and you want to leave no stone unturned. So um, we got to the court final and lost to Kerry um, in that. Uh, that would have been my first year. In the second year then, we got to the All-Ireland semi-final um, where we lost to Tyrone. So, uh, yeah, we had a long stint both years. <laughs> so um, a lot of time went into it, but no regrets, no regrets about it. And uh, I'd love to go back to them games again and see <laughs> if it uh, could make a difference at that time. Yeah, and would there be many lads that you played against who say that are, you know, maybe all-stars now are very prominent in the GA world, would you remember uh, from those um, teams? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, Kerry didn't actually have too many at the time. Um, I know a few of the Crowleys were playing, that a Connor Keane, a Jack Savage, and they were very, very good footballers. Um, a few good lads around the middle. Um, I remember Tyrone would have had um, Connor McKenna, who was playing mm-hmm. in Australia and who's home now. They would have had Frank Burns. Um, uh, Kyle McShane would have been playing. So a lot of them like have went on and are having great careers. Um, and I'm sure there's more that maybe mightn't have been that I can't remember. Uh, that I've went and pushed on since then. Like, you know the way you just mightn't remember their names or you mightn't yeah. just have known they've played on that uh, minor team, but you'd certainly know them now. And it's the same with Kerry, but there'd be lots of teams that would have played at my age group, say, that are coming into their prime now with their county senior teams, uh, like from Mayo and Galway and teams like that as well. Uh, it's interesting to see because uh, who would have been like the better counties, we'll say, in the age group above and below you? I can get it was Mayo kind of Tyrone those kind of teams and it seems like they're com- coming good again. It's kind of area. Yeah, yeah, no, and um, it would have been your Tyrones. Uh, Galway, Mayo would have been always very strong, and um, in Leinster then Kildare and Meath and Dublin would have been strong, and um, and then Ulster Cavan would have been uh, quite good. Uh, Tyrone, Donegal, all that things. But you're right, like near your your top four at that time. Um, at that age group are you could say uh, leading leading now as well like them players have come through and they're competing in All-Ireland semi-finals and finals with your senior team as well so yeah mm-hmm. it, does, it does make a difference definitely 
Uh, for sure. And it's cool because like that age group for yourself, those two years with you played under 17 and minors, that kind of team seemed like they carried on going into the under 21s. And you had a pretty good run at that stage as well. Yeah, yeah. I suppose over a five-year period there, you had um, from 2012 to probably 2016 until that, until that minor team in 2013 finished off at under 21. You kind of had a lot of the same players playing. Some lads mightn't have made it. Some new lads came in, but there might have been six or seven lads that say at my age that we would have went through the the age groups together and and are still playing together today at senior so that is nice and it's a nice relationship you'd have with them as well uh, and it's nice knowing say speaking about exams and stuff that you can speak to them lads too and what they're going through and what they went through as well so you know it is it is nice to have say a lad too who would have went through the same things as you and even defeats and things like that you know you'd always refer to them today forever out having a drink or anything and chatting to them about it you know it's it's nice to look back on uh, mm-hmm. You might have some regrets from the games, but you know you'd be hoping you learn from them then when you're playing at the moment. So, yeah, is there any like, kind of standout moments that happened for in that kind of like that that five year period of say minors under twenty ones that just stick in your mind? Just say, um, yeah, I would. I would say in two thousand thirteen, uh, in two thousand twelve and two thousand thirteen, uh, I was hundred percent convinced that both teams were going to win all Ireland, and nothing was going to change that. And in 2012, I was like, right, we kicked it away against Kerry. I was like, at least we have another chance next year with a good spine of the team and good players at that age group. And I just felt like uh, like we had to win it. Like, there's no way. I was going to do nothing else, only focus on that and make sure we win that All-Ireland. But it didn't go to plan. Tyrone beat us on the day. And I just remember being so disappointed on the bus on the way home. Like, like, like a part of me had been sucked out of me. Like, it was horrible. Uh, I still get it to this day when you lose games, but I just remember a point that, like, thinking, oh, it's going to be such a long road now to get back again. Like, I, I don't have minor anymore, and I thought minor was be all and end all at the time. Then, I suppose, for me, uh, um, uh, something that I remember then was uh, playing under 21 in 2014 when we re- reached all Ireland final. Like, I was like, okay, maybe this can happen regularly. We can get to this uh, these stages of competitions. Not it doesn't just have to be minor and. You know, when I played under 21, I was thinking, geez, not too many people pay attention, like supporters and people in the country pay attention to minor when I played under 21, even though at minor, I thought it was be all and end all and all eyes were on us. So yeah, yeah. I kind of felt like there was more to life um, with football and outside football. So after that year at minor, it was a, it was a real learner for me. Um, and I kind of started to enjoy football from 2014 more onwards. Because in 2013, it was more about winning for me than enjoying it and if we didn't win it was the end of the world like you know in in such in 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 such words um but yeah no so 2014 getting to the all-ireland final beating cork in poor leash that day was was uh, a nice moment for us as a team and a lot of lads who would have went through them disappointments at under 14 or minor but obviously we ended up losing the final, but um, that was just a moment that we kind of got more belief in ourselves again, that we could get back to a stage like that after disappointments gone gone by. It's interesting you say that 2014 was, we'll say, not to say the turning moment, but where like your mindset kind of changed a bit. Um, and I was just kind of curious, like, was that a gradual process or was it kind of, you kind of realised over the course of a few months that, right, there's more to football than this? Because did you move into college that same year as well? So it might have been a correlation with that. Yeah, I suppose, um, say, from under 14 to minor, I was playing with the same lads all the way with Erskaman. 
And then in 2014, I went to college and was playing with different players from different um, counties in college. Uh, I was playing with Roscommon seniors, Roscommon under 21s. Uh, and I just started to really enjoy uh, football, you know, seeing how different people approach um, the game, how their diet is, how just uh, the strength and conditioning at that time was coming big into the game as well. Um, like I can't remember it being as, as important as say, it was from, say, 2012 when Mayo came on the scene that time with that team. Um, 2012 to this day, how important it is, has become. So there was so much change at that time and, like, you know, I just thought it'd be the same routine as I was as a minor, but it actually became became more enjoyable playing with different teams and different competitions and different league competitions. So, um, yeah, so it was kind of that gradual pro- uh, progress in there um, that I really started to enjoy it then. And, um, yeah, still there to this day now, anyways. <laughs> still enjoying <laughs> it. Really. Away. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting you, you touched on that court game because... Uh, there was a there was a score. That I'm sure you remember. There's a score. There's a there's free needed at the end of that game in the corner on the touchline. And I remember watching it myself back in the day. And I was looking back there recently enough. And what I found interesting was that your same like routine that you used, like we say physically, it was the same back then under 10, as an under nineteen as it is now. But I'd be curious, would your like would your mindset when you're taking the kick be different? Like, would you be? I don't know how you because you're saying in 2014, you kind of your mindset kind of switched a little bit that you're more enjoying the game. So I'm just curious, like, what was going through your head in that kind of moment as a 19-year-old as opposed to now? Is it the same or has it changed or what? Um, it's very interesting. and I didn't bring up the game to talk about my point. I just felt <laughs> at that time it was a, no. it was a, a, a turn of moment for me. Um, well, I just felt like at my last year at minor, um, I was vice-captain of the team and I, I felt like I maybe didn't have as good a year as I expected myself to have after, from the previous year. And uh, then going into 2014, I kind of always wanted that uh, situation where it would come down to me and uh, just, I don't know, it's kind of to prove a point or something. And then yeah. when, when I saw Donny winning that free, I was, I was happy days. I was like, mm-hmm. this is my chance now. You know, this is my chance to prove that I've moved on to the next level. And yeah, I have the same routine to this day. I had it since I was minor, since 2012. And um, it's kind of just the thing I do to say, right, like it kind of takes me out of the free kick and the importance of the free kick. And, and like, just, I know that routine when I stick by that, uh, it makes me feel a bit comfortable kicking freeze and high pressure kicks. And so, yeah, no, that's why I would have that routine. And sorry, I'm probably going to off the question there. What was it exactly, was it? No, that's much it, but I was just going to say, like, mentally, because you have the same, like, physical routine, but would you concentrate on the same things before you take the shot? Like, for example, like, Lee Halfpenny, oh, yeah. when, when he's taking, a, when he's taking a, a penalty in rugby, he imagines he's back in, like, his local club ground, whereas uh, Johnny Wilkinson would, like, he'd have that, like, half-squat position because he uses a yeah. technique like centering where he, like, literally can feel the muscles in his in his um in his legs before he takes the kick. Okay, so I'm, just, yeah. I'm just kinda of curious like what would be your mentality or would you have anything in particular that you do? Uh well when I'm taking my free uh, I'd always um bounce the ball three times always and even if it doesn't bounce up to me after the second one I'd have to put the ball down and start the routine again. Um then I would take uh, two deep breaths, all those two deep breaths. And then I would do kind of a little shimmy where my left foot goes behind my right. And just as I'm doing my last shimmy, I'll have a look at the goal, then put my head down and kick it. And that's the routine I would stick to. And every free kick I'd take on the training ground will be the very same as that as well. And it's just kind of a thing to get you in the zone 
more than anything you know you kind of like kind of reiterates to yourself that this is a big kick and and when you're doing your routine it's kind of saying to yourself no matter how far or how close I am or how far out I am and every every score is important in the game so that's why I would uh, that make sure I always do that routine because they can be missed from anywhere so it's important yeah. that you kind of get into that state of mentality that um, everyone is important and you know, as a free taker, you always want to score as well. And as a forward, you want to score. So you don't uh, want to be missing the opportunity for a tap over from 13 yards. Anyways. For sure, because it's interesting just because like you, you've built the same habit for every type of free. And I'm just kind of curious myself in terms of like, we'll say if you're doing an exam and you're practicing exam questions, like in like you know in an unpressured environment at home and study. But when you come into the leaving cert, if you had like, say for yourself, you have the same routine for your free taking. So something kind of similar that would translate to any kind of pressurized situation where like if you can kind of follow the routine that you have, your mind will just, you know, be like in nearly in a flow state in a way. Just it's an interesting little yeah. segue. Yeah. And even like, say, um, that would be one reason when I was studying for exams, I used to always write out like I used to. I remember for geography, I had like this exam skills book and it used to actually give me exam answers. I went and bought it myself. Uh, just to have it because um, when I was repeating I didn't want uh, uh, any stone left unturned I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to say make geography be the reason I wasn't going to college um, for the second year so um, I actually used to write out the answers uh, on a sheet of paper and write down numbers beside each sentence and then I used to write how I learned it was just uh, studied was just writing them out a number of times but when I was in the exam like I knew the routine that like say this was sentence one this was sentence two this was sentence three and i knew in the, in each paragraph say how many sentences there was in each question which is an interesting one and then there's i suppose there's the negative of that that just suited me i suppose if you're doing that and you forgot sentence three you wouldn't be able to start sentence sentence four <laughs> so yeah, you yeah. know it could have worked against me but i found that helped me anyways myself uh-huh. And then, so kind of skipping on here or into 2014, so you would have broken onto the Roscommon team, gone to college, uh, played Sigerson. There, like there's a lot of change, even going to the under 21 age group. And how did you find like the transition from secondary school into college and like everything else was happening as well? Yeah, well, when I started um, in 2014, I, I suppose it was probably my most demanding year uh, football-wise. Um, hadn't really been injured. Um, any of the times and then uh, in 2014 I remember in the under 21 championship we played a Sligo down in Sligo and I picked up a, a hamstring injury so that was kind of the start of my my injury worries with my hamstrings because I played two weeks after again probably wasn't really right to play and then that led into the the court game and the All-Ireland final and I was fine it, it was grand but I I maybe didn't look after my body as well Um, didn't really feel like I had the time to look after my body as well because I was always training and um, didn't really take it I took football very seriously I always would but I didn't really maybe take it as serious enough to be focusing on my diet enough or uh, how I'm looking after my body and my recovery my rest my sleep like to me it was just I was happy when I was going training and and that was that and so yeah no it, it was an enjoyable year but probably a year that I maybe and um, it could have learned a lot quicker with how to look after my body and um, with regards to everything and um, but yeah no it was my first year with seniors playing college playing with under 21 like couldn't have been any happier loads of games you know can't <laughs> complain and um, ended up losing to Irma, i think in the qualifiers 
um, in the Hyde and they went on to nearly beat Donegal who lost All-Ireland final to beat Dublin that year so um, no yeah it was a good year it was a big learner for me um, then as, as the years progressed I tried to learn from that year uh, but just kind of got a bit unlucky with injuries at the wrong time of the year and I was always catching up in fitness at the wrong times of the year so um, oh, 2014 was a, a big learner for me now big time yeah and what sort of attributes in terms of nutrition would you have changed from 2014 onwards? Was there a person that you were, say, I don't know, roommates with or were friends with, or was it a coach that you had, or what would be like the change? Uh, I remember in 2015 we had, um, like, I was introduced to my fitness pal, so oh, yeah. like you know, yeah, like our nutritionist at the time, like, like I was going in after playing a year of minor, and like you don't really have, you have, you might have someone helping you with what to eat, but you don't really have like. You're not that focused on your diet, like you're still having your uh, uh maybe overdosing on sandwiches and things like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But like you're you're not thinking about what's actually going into your body and how can it affect your performance. So my fitness pal was the first time I really uh, started to understand, like to say, the carbs, the protein, the fats, and things that were going into my body. And and I, like at the time, it was great because, as I said, strength and conditioning was becoming big at the time and. I put a big effort into my strength and conditioning, which could have caused some of my injuries as well at the time because I was putting so much emphasis on the gym. Like, and I, like I'd be very committed in everything I do, and I wouldn't like anyone to be saying in 2014, "Oh, Murta, there, he's not strong enough to hold his own at senior level." You know, like I was never going to let that happen. So maybe I kind of put on a bit too much uh, muscle mass, which kind of caused injuries at the time in my legs. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was a big learner. And my fitness pal, as I said, it was one, like, say, you're just focusing on what's actually going into your body. You don't realize the, the how many calories or, like, the things like little things like sauces are going into your body and things like that. Like, I would have never even thought of things like that, you know, or yeah, yeah. sticking a lump of butter there in your dinner. Like, you're not really thinking of, like, what type uh-huh. of, like, whereas now I'd be thinking about what type of butter I'm having and uh, limiting every bit of sauce I can have, you know, things like that, you know, you, you learn so much and it's only really now that I feel like I'm really getting a hold in that as well. So, um, you know, and it's just like apps like that. I find great my fitness pal now. It's really, really useful for things like that. For sure. And uh, have you got like, um, do you track your sleep or do you do anything else? Is it focused on your nutrition or what else would you use like to kind of watch the 23 hours that you're not, that you're not training today? Uh, well, I'd always make sure, say, and have recovery days um, where I just chill out, uh, say, do whatever I want. Obviously, it wouldn't be something like going, having three takeaways in the day or anything like that now. But it just, you know, where I'm not under pressure or thinking of anything like that. Um, sleep, I wouldn't track it, but I'd be aware of what hours I would be going to sleep at and what time I'd be getting up at. You know, I'd always make sure I have at least eight hours sleep if I can uh, sometimes obviously you mightn't get that but um and I know with all your with the sleep tracker apps now it'll tell you you're in deep sleep now and such and such you know like it'll tell you you mightn't be getting as much sleep but I'm happy if my eyes are closed from yeah if my eyes are closed for eight hours I, I feel fresh and ready for the day anyways um uh-huh. but yeah no some, sometimes I would um track the sleep just to double check and make sure uh, like is because if some nights you don't get um a good sleep uh, it might be because maybe you watch too much television before going to bed and things like that so it is you'd have to be conscious or even like sometimes i find if i read a book 
for too long before bed. My eyes can kind of be sore sleeping and take some while to settle there. But um, it's trying to get that balance as well and what um, works for you as well as everyone's different. Yeah, it's interesting because like the research suggests that it's all, the most important thing is that you have the same amount of hours of sleep. So like if you're sleeping eight hours, then 10 hours, then nine hours, then four, it's a lot better to just sleep four hours, four four days in a row of six hours like that's it's literally if you're if that's all you're tracking that's literally the main thing to track so yeah you're kind of hang on what happened to spend 60 quid in a fitbit yeah i know and then like as i said uh when you're going when you're in school as well that's why it's tricky at the moment you know you're getting up at a certain time you have to leave at a certain time you know that can be a big one for sleep you know when you're here you're teaching from home uh you might be inclined to stay up to watch that something bit extra because you know you don't have to get up as early because you're all you're doing like if you're prepared the day before all you have to do is come down the stairs you know you don't have yeah. to get up you don't want to have to you know go in a car on a journey and get into school and prepare for the day you know you have that done the night before so uh, it is easier say to to stay up that bit later so that's why it's kind of, it'd be nicer to be back in routine of and um, teaching but of course i'm trying my best to stick to my own routine as in like to getting sleep by 11, getting up at uh, quarter past eight, you know, and as you said, sticking to that. So I'm not going to bed at one o'clock one night and up at quarter past eight and then in bed at nine o'clock next night and up, up at six o'clock, you know, and none, yeah. none of that, trying to stick to that routine. Uh, and how did you, why did you decide to become a primary school teacher? Was that always kind of something in the back of your head or was there any particular time you decided, you know what, I'll give it a go? Well, I actually did. Um, in my old primary school in Bally League National School, I did placement there. Um, or no, sorry, I didn't do placement there. Uh, well, I did, but I went on my uh, we work experience in fourth year in school. And that was my, say, work placement uh, for the week. You used to always do that. So some lads could go work with their dads. Some lads could go work with the guards. And, but I went to the primary school. Uh, kind of the only reason I went there is because say my older brother had went there and on his workplace and I thought this would be less hassle like you look I'll just do yeah. tick the box exercise I go not really thinking of my future but then when I went in I just thought it was just such a nice atmosphere in the school and loved how say the rapport the teacher had with the kids and how happy the kids were in school and things like that so then I was like geez and then I started helping out the teacher with different things with the kids like with art and different subjects and I just I just kind of found it so satisfying when I helped a kid with something and they understood it mm -hmm. like geez maybe this is is for me and you know like I, I was looking up the teacher and she didn't look stressed at any stage she looked mm -hmm. like she was enjoying her life like as in like she was happy coming to school and happy in her job and I was like oh that wouldn't that be great if that was me someday and then I kind of like started looking a bit further into it and uh, talking to a few people about it talking to my careers teacher about it and uh, and then looking up uh, points in college and then I kind of got set on it and I was like this for me <laughs> and you know then I kind of then started coming the craziness of studying for the leaving cert to make sure I got what I wanted but um, I didn't the first time around but eventually <laughs> did anyways. Oh yeah sure that's the way it is but uh, it, uh, there's a lot of GA players it's almost a stereotype to become primary school teachers and secondary school teachers so I'd always be curious to know if it was kind of like a personality thing because um, it seems like a lot of a lot of people who play sports are, are um or sports at least going to coaching and coaching is very similar to, to teaching so I was always kind of curious that that was the reason why there's so many like a disproportionate amount of GA players or primary school teachers or maybe it's just for the longer evenings yeah. yeah no it does it does get thrown at me the odd time now that I'm only in it because 
you know, I have time to go to the gym and go train after school. But that's not the case because um, any teacher will tell you if, if it's not for you, it it would be it's just it wouldn't be you'd know after a week they shouldn't be there you know uh, and like you have enough placements in in college to let you know whether it's for you or not uh, and as the years went on in college the more I started to enjoy it so uh, I definitely it's a job for me strictly because I love teaching and love seeing the kids progressing uh, in their studies and things like that and um, absolutely nothing to do with football but the, it does give you the time, I suppose. Well, like so, like I would say, in the mornings I would be in an hour before school. In the evenings you'd stay an hour after school. So it is nearly like an eight to four job. If if like you're really organized and want to um and and want to be a, a step ahead of yourself um, but it is like in like it is, it work just works out well the hours when you're going home training and traveling home, especially if you're coming from Dublin down. And, you know, it's a different story if you're living a 10 minute drive from it from a pitch. Um, and then you'll always have people saying about the holidays, which are nice as well. But but when you get the holidays, you need them at the time and the kids need them at the time. You know, a break away from the stress of of learning something new every day. You know, when you think about it and then going home and doing homework, like it can be a stressful, a stressful time for them as well. So, you know, and. Um, I think uh, the, how say short the school day is is something that is important as well for teachers and kids. And uh, you touched on it there, having to travel back for training. So you basically from the day from the first week that you were training for Roscommon, you'd have been based up in Dublin, right? So you've yeah. been you've been doing that track for about half a decade. So has has it changed over the years, or do you find it do you find it long, or how how does it go for you? How do you find traveling uh, back? Yeah, it. Uh, I suppose at the time your first year on a senior panel you would travel to England and back twice a week if you had to, to play like you know um, as you're, it, it kind of it can be hard say during pre-season it can be hard um, but I think managers are starting to to adapt to it now they're you know like they're maybe training players in groups in Dublin or you know they might have more work at the weekend and during the week um, I think managers have become smarter in that regard and um, I never really complained about it and um, never because for us in Roscommon we might train around the Athlone area so you know it's only down the motorway there about an hour and 20 minutes and um, it was more so to getting back late that was hard with recovery and things like that and then you're up early for college next morning and um, that would be the hardest part I actually find it easier since say I came out of college because your routine in college is all over the place with when you're eating, when you're sleeping, um, what time your lectures are at. You know, you can't have a good structure to the day. And as I said, that a structure just and routine suits me. It mightn't suit everyone. So that that would have been the hardest part I found is maybe coming getting back up late at night. And uh, so when we used to train maybe in Kilbride, which would be um well past uh mid or Scammon if you're coming from Dublin. So you know, it's kind of a longer journey. If the weather is bad, then it's a slower journey back up. So that was the only thing. And you would be tired after a tough training session and you mightn't sleep for a while because you're still on the buzz off training. So um, that would have been the hardest part, say, after trainings when you're, um, say, struggling to sleep or getting up really early or not getting, say, um, to track your sleep uh, the best way you can. You know, like you wouldn't be having the same amount of hours every morning and then in college sometimes you might be until 10 and then you might be until 12 and then you could be in at nine so 
I've changed it all the time. Yeah. And you managed to make your debut for Scotland in 2014, like in the league against Longford and then later in the championship. Uh, how did you find that? Like, so you must have been in college about five months at the time. So I'm guessing that Sigerson was around like at the start as well. So you had quite a lot going on at that time. How did you manage to balance it all or what, what were your strategies? Yeah, so actually the under-21 would have had the Hastings Cup on and then at that time and then would have been the start of the national or would have had the FBD league with Erskaman seniors. Uh, and then the college, I was actually playing trench at the time. So I'd actually, the fir- I had first year freshers competition and the trench um, with the St. Pat's in Drumcondra. So um, that was tough to balance all that. But uh, the managers, John Evans and Nigel Dean at the time were very, very um, approachable with things like that. You know, like they always helped me. They were never pushing me over the edge. And it was probably why I, I wasn't starting some of them first league games because John would have been looking after me with the seniors, making sure I wasn't getting burnt out. Uh, and then with the under-21s, the championship wasn't until March, I think. So at that time, under 21s you're just training with them once a week while you're with the seniors the rest of the week until say it came two weeks before uh, the under 21 championship so um yeah it was a it was a special day to make the debut against Longford our rivals there from across the bridge obviously from where we're from uh, but uh no it was a special day for me I, I remember it I came on and kicked about five wides and that was about <laughs> it and <laughs> went home then but I was happy we won in the end and I don't know who we played next. I think we played Wexford and I came on in that game and then started against Limerick then in the third game and um, just went on from there. But yeah, it was hard. It was hard to manage, but it was more so left for the management teams to manage that than me. So I was kind of just happy, you know, as a bit of a yes man at the time. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do this, you know. (laughs) They'd Uh tell me what to do and I was happy to train wherever. Yeah, and some players find a step up. Like, I'd be curious, did you find a step up a big difference between under-21s to seniors? Because as I say, like a scoring forward, like while the, while the competition is clearly harder, you're also getting better ball. So it's kind of a trade-off. So what, where would you start stood on that? Did you find it harder playing senior level or under-21s or what, what kind of way? I think it was huge for me that I started playing senior and under-21 tw- under the same year. And I found just a jump from minor I would nearly put under 21 and senior in the one bracket there when I made the jump. Uh, but I found the the change huge from uh, minor to senior uh, and under 21. Uh, I found that a big, big um, uh, difference with uh, f- uh, regards physicality now. Um, but the senior to under 21 wasn't too bad because the two seasons kind of integrated with each other. And uh, you're, you're actually doing more training with the seniors, which is making the under 21 a small bit easier. So I'm like marking the likes of Shawnee McDermott in in training, uh, who's like a great defender, very tight. And then I'm going out playing someone in under 21 who haven't got half the experience as him, aren't half as good as him. So it kind of made under 21 easier that year that I was training with the seniors that time and training with men as such, you know, like, you know, physical men. So that made under 21 um, easier that year. But I would say the transition from minor up to both of them uh, grades was was big yeah it was and even senior club football from minor senior club football um which i started playing in 2012 was huge as well you know as i said you're marking men and they don't be afraid to let you know as well when you're a young lad coming through of course yeah yeah and it's nice because you made you kind of made the breakthrough into the Roscommon setup with your older brother kieran uh what was it like because you're going for a similar enough position at the time what was it like competing with him was there much shot on the way back home or whatnot or what was the story uh, it was actually great to have each other at the time because we were new to the senior setup. We didn't know what the standards were 
and like say with regards to gym and train and like we obviously try our best in anything we, we do and um, we didn't know like we'd been watching some of these lads on telly and uh, you know playing with their clubs and things like that and representing the county and so like we looked up to these lads so it was nice to have each other say when you go in first because you don't know who to talk to obviously everyone was welcoming but it's nice to have each other and even chat about things when you're coming home like say uh, do you think we should have been doing this or in that game there do you think I should have been a bit more greedy or you know it's, it was just nice to just chat about things like that and with regards to competition actually in 2014 I remember I think in a couple of games it could have been the Leitrim game and the Mayo game I actually came on for Kieran. and you know as your brother you always want to be playing on the same pitches because you know each other so well so it's actually funny I came on from uh, definitely in the Mayo game not too sure about the Leitrim game but uh, we do slag each other about that um, <laughs> to this day, saying that it'll happen soon again as well. Where <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be coming on from when he's getting old. Yeah, so when you kind of broke onto the scene with your brother Kieran, uh, Roscommon hadn't, they'd, like from about 2001 to 2013, they'd gone through a bit of a barren period and had the one Collins in 2010, in fairness. But like your age group and age group below and the one above, you kind of all broke through the same scene. And I think you were in Division 3 when you made your debut. And currently, Roscommon are a Division One team, and kind of you know you kind of progressed up through the counties uh, together, nearly like that age group. How did you find that transition? Because it was you're playing with the same players in minor semi-finals in All Ireland, then under twenty-one semi-finals in Ireland, and then even the actual All Ireland semi-finals and quarterfinals. Yeah, we absolutely love it. Like we get on, we get on great together. Obviously, I get on well with Kieran, and also the lads um, that would have played up. Like we have a great relationship and great friendships in that team it does make a difference you know like and, and when you're playing with the same lads for so long you understand your game so much as well and you know at that time we just I just as a group we had all such a good mentality together as I said to you we were convinced that them two years at minor and three years under 21 that we were going to win the All-Ireland absolutely convinced and I think we've kind of brought that mentality through said to the leagues and Mighton has still paid off for us yet in championship we've won a couple of Connacht titles all right but uh we're still not where we want to be as a group. Um, I can assure you that we're well-driven to get get that few steps further. Um, but it, it does help that we played together and, you know, and we know each other's game. We know what to expect out of each other. Uh, we know that we can demand a lot more off each other as well when things maybe mightn't be going up to scratch. Um, and, you know, when things aren't going as well, you know that they'll have your back as well, which is important. But, you yeah, know, it's a really good experience going through all this Um with say the similar lads and then you have new lads blended in that are fitting in like a glove and of course all of us had to try and fit in as well because we came as young lads up to the senior team with the likes of Donny Shine, the two Kilbride, Shawnee McDermott, Neil Collins and them lads so Kyle Craig so we all we had to you know earn our earn our place to play with them boys because they were big guns at the time and um, and still are so like you know it's um it's been a good experience coming up together and say making up the main core of the team now as well and the panel now and then there's other lads who would have been on them minor teams under 21 teams who progressed who mightn't have started with us but are coming into the scene now again as well so you know it is it is really nice now you know and it does help us I think as well uh-huh. and is there any games we'll say from like going up from division three the whole way up to competing against the likes of Kerry Dublin like the big guns then going up to Croker for all on quarterfinals is there any games along the way that you felt like like we're really progressing as a team or we're actually in contention now or we're good we're we're as good as the rest of them or was there anyone in particular? Um 
I suppose in the in the league, uh, I remember we played Kildare uh, in 2015, um, and a lot of us would have been playing that would have came through the under 21, and we played Kildare in a really high scoring game up in Newbridge, and it was kind of that game in Division Three. It was like, if if you lose this, you're going to be looking at relegation. If you win this, you're going to have serious confidence. Like the third or fourth game, which is very important, and we won it. Like I think it was like. 24 points to 18 or something really high scoring game and I just remember thinking afterwards like god it's great to beat and like Kildare had the likes of um, Emmett Bolton and lads like that playing you know like big personalities who played in All-Ireland semi-finals and, and things like that so you know I thought that was a big step for us at that time in the league and we ended up getting promoted that year to Division 1 and then obviously in 2016 in the league when we were beating some of them Division 1 teams and you know you're you're starting to think, yeah, we're here now and we're here to stay. And look, it didn't work out like that. We've been kind of up and down, which is not what we've wanted, but we're hopefully up there now and we hope to stay there. And with regards to how things go with the league this year and next year, you wouldn't know with, with restrictions and things like that. So we'd be hoping that we'd be staying there when we um, do get back up. But in championship-wise, um, 2017 would have been probably the start of it, say, when we started to believe we could make a statement at championship level. Uh, when we won the Connick final and then we drew at Mayo and Croker um, and then they beat us well in the in the in the replay of that but it was kind of winning that Connick title kind of gives that belief to say like that we are good enough even though people will say it, it was a once-off game against Galway and um, you know we were starting to think well we can do this more than once off you know and I suppose then and to that day you know just building on little games like that you're kind of getting belief and even when you're losing some games like, you know, it, it's hard to lose games, but you're you're learning. I suppose it's either win or learn, as people would say. And I think that has been the case with us. And um, you know, and just we kind of haven't made that breakthrough. Say it's the last four yet that we're we're very eager to make now. Anytime soon, oh, for sure, for sure. And I uh, talk about the 2016 Connacht because that was kind of like like not to say the coming of age for that era of players, but a lot of them, like a lot of the newer guns, wouldn't have played in that 2010 final. So it would have been, like I said, it's a bit of a breakthrough. But I also found it interesting that that was the one year that they had um, like a videographer coming around following news. So you actually had like the oh, that was, recorded. Well, what was that, that like? Was, that was, was, watching Living with the Lines or something? Yeah, that was 2017. That was uh, when we won. Yeah, 2017. And that was when I'd say we kind of made the breakthrough. And it's a funny story, actually, I'll tell you. We were playing um, Mead in a challenge two weeks before the Connacht final. We'd beaten Leitrim quite comfortably in the quarterfinal. Or sorry, the... the Connacht semi-final uh, and then we're trying to peak now for this game against Galway and next thing we're at a training camp in Johnson House in um, just in Enfield there and uh, we were kind of doing our warm-up routine and like it was a training camp so you didn't have many supporters there and next thing these two boys started following us around with cameras and Kiro was captain at the time so I kind of said to him uh, what's the story with them two lads there like you know did you say it's Kevin who was Kevin McSay at the time and then shortly after that, Kevin brought us into a huddle and just explained that the lads were doing this. Um, so, like, you know, like, everyone just got on with it then. There was no, like, the two lads were the soundest two lads. They felt a part, part of the panel uh, as they were videoing. You know, they were great crack. Um, and then they just kind of started recording bits and pieces. And uh, luckily enough, we ended up winning the Connick final. It kind of made the documentary look that bit better. But I suppose it's nice for people outside and um, say at the time there'd been a lot of negativity with the Roscommon panel like you know players didn't commit that year and you know players didn't perform the year before so it was good that um, people could see maybe how much we cared about it and how much we wanted to do well at the time and and that is the case for anyone 
um, who has put on their scamming jersey since I started playing anyway. So, you know, it's nice that people that could see that, you know, and how much it means to us and um, playing with our scamming and, you know, that we're doing it for, to make, put a smile in the face of their scamming people, no more so than ourselves as well, you know. I know it was, it was brilliant insight into like the the way like you operated before games and that and even just like you could really sense the emotion at like the the speeches at halftime and they weren't even like the the classic you know Al Pacino kind of stuff it was just like the regular kind of you could even just watching the video you could see like how how much it meant to all these going around so it was cool yeah. that it was the first, it was like again it was your breakthrough one 2017 and it's it always was like a good thing that you won that they did it that year instead of the year before or another year because they picked the best year to do it really. True, yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was a nice, nice year to do it. Um, don't know how popular the video would be if we lost that final. <laughs> you know, it, it was nice that it worked out and it wasn't a distraction to us. And if anything, something like that might uh, spur you on a bit, you know, when, you, when you're under that bit, a bit more pressure uh, to succeed when there's cameras on you, you know, it can kind of spur you on. But no, look, it's a really nice thing to look back on, but um, can't be resting on them either, you know, you have to push on now as well. Exactly, yeah. And um, so you got into the quarterfinals that year against Mayo and you played twice in Kroger. How did that compare to like in 2014 when you played Dublin in the under-21s? Like, I'm, like clearly the atmosphere would have been different, but did it feel like kind of a similar situation or what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just an emptiness, you know, when you get well beaten on the pitch. It's happened to every team at some stage. Um, it's just an emptiness you get. Uh, kind of just you're going back through the game. What, what could I have done better? Um, is it my fault? And, you know, there's just loads of things. Your mind is spinning and, and it's a very similar feeling to that uh, in 2014 and um, 2017 at the time. But, you know, you just have to dust yourself down very quickly and get back on with it because uh, nobody's going to wait for you. You know, you have to go along with it. You'll be left behind if you don't get over it and get back working again. And, no, sometimes defeats like that can pull a team together as well. You know, like, as I said, you're scraping through all the good things together and the bonds you, but when you're through tough times like that, they're probably the only people you want to spend um, some time with as well. So you know exactly how they're feeling. So that can make relationships stronger and hopefully help you uh, in the future as well. Mm-hmm. And would you say, like, the the style of football that you've played as Roscommon has, like, evolved because of those results or has it kind of just been a gradual process or how would you say, like, Roscommon of 2015 compares to Roscommon of 2020 in terms of like style? Um, I suppose the way the game has gone now is everyone's kind of, everyone's working that bit harder. Um, and then it can, it can make the game look a bit more defensive. Um, and that kind of goes for all teams. You know, like if, if you're a corner forward and you're tracking your man back and say the three full backs go on a run, next thing you have your three full forwards and your full back line marking these, and then you're 15 behind the ball. So I think it's just the way the game has gone, is conditioning's gone, um, more emphasis on, on conditioning, and um, teams are just working that bit harder, and then it kind of, it's getting more players behind the ball because players are, are so focused on their individual battle with the player they're marking that the, they're not going to let them get an inch, and they're going to keep going back after them if, you know, and then you'd end up having uh, lots of numbers behind the ball, and then there can be a negativity surrounding the game, but it's just that people are so well conditioned nowadays that they're able to get up and down the field. So I think that's why a game has changed. And then obviously, of course, within your own dressing room, you have your own tactics. And I'm sure it's the same for every dressing room as well. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Thanks a million for that, Jim. I think that was uh, pretty interesting, I have to say. 
I definitely got definitely learned a few little tidbits from yourself there. And, uh, I'm sure there's going to, sure there's a lot of people listening to this that'll enjoy it as well. Definitely. Thanks very much, Con. I enjoyed it myself. Now I go True. and eat a bit now. I'm starving. Exactly. You have earned it. Anyway. I'll, I'll talk to you. Yeah, I'll See talk to you soon. Anyway. Take it handy. Good luck. That's the end of another episode. I hope you've taken something away from this, and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, good luck.